What makes a law firm? It's about passion, knowledge, understanding, and service. That's what defines Fluxman's. In this podcast series, we take you behind the desks of some of South Africa's smartest legal minds. Jerome Levitz is one of the attorneys here at Fluxman's. He graduated from Witz with a BA degree in 1990 and did his LLB and finished in 1993. He specializes in the area of consulting and partnering corporations and high net worth individuals and providing a complete solution across industries for their legal requirements. It's very, very good to meet you, Jerome. I hope you're well. I am indeed, and it's lovely to reacquaint myself with you. Yes, we actually met. uh, Jerome told me we had a near-death experience together during a storm on a ship at sea in 2002. That's quite correct. (laughs) We both survived. (laughs) We both survived. Okay, so it wasn't the Titanic. We're okay. Um, Jerome, first of all, I, um, I need to start with something that I believe is a bit of a problem around here. You keep sweets and chocolates in your office. You have a huge... Tupperware full of them. I do indeed. I see that uh, you have informers. I have informers. I know nothing about. And I, I believe you use these sweets and chocolates to, uh, first of all, because you have a sweet tooth, but also occasionally, if asked very nicely, you will share them with other people. I do indeed. <laughs> do you ever use them to calm clients down who come in in a, in a state? Not at all. Okay. So let's talk for a minute because I know there's so much in the news at the moment that's pertinent to this area of the law in particular, and I think it's an area that's of, of great interest to you, uh, fraud and commercial crimes. Now, there isn't a day in South Africa in the last couple of years where we haven't heard of fraud and commercial crimes of some scope happening in the news. Absolutely. It is absolutely prevalent, and um, anyone who listens to the news or reads a newspaper We'll see it, as you say, daily. Yeah, now, now, this is an area of law that I don't really know very much about. I don't think any of us really do in terms of how the law applies to these people. But we see these commissions of inquiry going on. What happens after that? I mean, these are, these are, these are criminal matters. So you would imagine that the state, the prosecuting authority, have to get involved in order to start the ball rolling. That's correct. So, so how does it actually unfold? What happens let's say, post a state capture commission or something like that? Well, let me take it back a step. And what I hope to achieve by the end of this is that uh, an individual is able to understand what they need to do in order to lay a criminal charge Mm -hmm. and the processes that follow from there. All right. Well, let's start with that. Okay. So fraud comprises the unlawful making with intent to defraud a misrepresentation which causes actual prejudice or which is potentially prejudicial to another. Uh Theft comprises the unlawful taking of a thing with intent to steal a thing capable of being stolen. Now, what does that mean? You you don't have to look far in the news to find these situations. 100%. 100%. (laughs) Okay, so so unlawful, let's just start with that because for a lot of people that, that they confuse unlawful and illegal. Okay. Unlawful is not authorized by law, mm-hmm. whereas illegal is defined as forbidden by law. Oh, wow. Okay. So there is a, there's a small difference there, small but, difference. It's, it's, but it matters to lawyers. So when we come to, to fraud, is it possible for anyone to report fraud, for anyone to – I mean, we hear the word whistleblower being thrown around. How exactly does that work? Absolutely. Okay. So what happens is that – When you are the victim of fraud Mm -hmm. or theft, Mm -hmm. what you need to do is go and attend on your or the police station 
who has jurisdiction over the area where the fraud or theft was committed. So if you work in Johannesburg but you live in Boxburg and something starting from your house, you need to report in Boxburg. That's correct. Got you. But most uh, businesses have a registered address and uh, where the fraud is generally committed at that registered address. Now, when in South Africa we refer to fraud, we usually are talking about the kind of fraud that we read in the state. We, we hear about government departments and state-owned enterprises and all of that stuff. But, of course, fraud is something that can happen between two private individuals as well. Absolutely. In South Africa, fraud is an all-encompassing term. Right. Which deals with the entire range of any misrepresentation as defined uh-huh. to state capture and so it the, goes from, their whole range in from, between. From the small things to the big things. Yeah. So if, is it fraud if I misrepresent myself as being an engineer and you hire me to build something and it turns out I'm not an engineer? As long as there's actual or potential prejudice, absolutely. Okay. So this stuff must be very interesting. I, I would imagine you've done some cases where it's had very, very wide-ranging implications and, and repercussions. Certainly. Because fraud can, can result in, in terrible things happening, not just the loss of money. No, it's, it's far worse than the loss of money, which is why the courts take what they call white-collar crime as seriously as they do the more serious contact uh, crimes. Right. In other words, the sentences for these type of offences equal very serious bodily or, or violent crimes. I was involved in a matter against an auditor who stole 14 million rand from his clients, and he was a first offender. He pleaded guilty, and the courts sentenced him to 30 years, 10 to run concurrent. So he's currently serving a 20-year sentence, wow. which is very similar. Uh, I mean, 30 years is uh, the equivalent of murder where you get a life sentence. That's incredible. So, so it's taken very seriously by our take courts. They do take it, uh, absolutely. Just to give a little bit of uh, history, the Commercial Crimes Court in Johannesburg commenced in approximately 2002. Mm-hmm. It started off with... I think it was four, six prosecutors and two admin staff. There was one court running in those days. Today, there are four courts that sit on a daily basis. There are approximately 45 prosecutors. Wow. And uh, quite a huge admin contingent. How difficult is it to prove uh, fraud and, and how difficult is it to... To, to get a, a lenient sentence for people who are convicted of fraud. Okay. Fraud is not always easy to prove. Hmm. Um, and that is why I advocate or advise that if you are the victim of a fraud, that you seek legal advice. Uh, anyone who watched the Oscar case will understand the importance of your A1 statement, which is your founding statement in a criminal matter. That statement has to be factually as correct as possible. And unambiguous. And unambiguous as possible because if you have inconsistencies in respect of that statement, a defense attorney will hone in on those inconsistencies. And remember, in a criminal court, you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt, which Mm -hmm. is a much higher threshold. And all the accused has to proffer is a version that is reasonably possibly true. 
And should they do that successfully, they will be acquitted. You know, you mentioned the Oscar trial, and, and I think that's the moment where a lot of South Africans who are not at all involved in the law suddenly became pedestrian attorneys, and everyone suddenly had an opinion on things. But we do, in the course of, of South Africa's news cycle, which, which is changing every day, but there are some um, ongoing themes, let's say, uh, I think you hear a lot of people saying, this person will be convicted of fraud, that person has been found guilty of fraud, I mean, there are cases in South Africa's history, and I'm sure you deal with a lot of these uh, in terms of, of, of using them in, in precedent or whatever else when you're trying to explain the severity of a, a situation that you're dealing with. There are big cases in South African history around fraud. Huge. And, uh, and huge amounts of money. Yeah, it does. Are you allowed to say any of those? Um, uh, can you mention any... Any no. particular examples for us? Ben? No, I can't mention examples, but the amount of money involved in defending a fraud matter is many hundreds of thousands. Sure. I mean, it's not, it's ne there's never a boring day in fraud. No, far <laughs> from it. And I think we're going to see some very interesting developments flowing from the current state capture inquiries. Well, I, I have people asking all the time, what do you think will happen? And I don't know the answer, but what do you think will happen after these uh, commissions of inquiry? There's the one into the PIC now. There's the state capture inquiry. Is there, is there going to be follow-up after this? There should be follow-up. Basically, all, the, all these inquiries are conducted on the basis that there is some sort of affidavit before these commissions. Uh -huh. And based on the information contained in those affidavits, those allegations should be investigated by the national, firstly by the police. Mm -hmm. So it's the police's job to investigate. Once they have completed the investigation, that information is placed before the National Prosecuting Authority and they will then make a decision as to whether to prosecute or not. I have no doubt that we are going to see quite a number of prosecutions flowing from the various inquiries currently being held. I think a lot of people will be very pleased to hear that. There's an, there's an official legal opinion on, on what we see ensuing from all of this. Apparently, you also have daughters who are in the martial arts. Is this right? I have uh, <laughs> daughters who are, one is in martial arts and yeah. one is a gymnast. Wow. So my eldest daughter, she enjoys doing Krav Maga. Yeah. Well, she's not going to end up in any trouble if she can do that properly. Not at all. Uh, but she also, <laughs> just to even things out, she loves her ballet. Okay. And so she, she participates in both disciplines. My youngest daughter has her national colors for gymnastics. So it's, It sounds like a talented family you've got going on here. It is indeed. Yeah. Now, tell me, Jerome, when it comes to the office here at Flexman's, what kind of an environment would you describe this firm as, and, and what, do you, what do you like about being here? It's a family firm, mm -hmm. okay, with family values. Oh. Okay? It's a family environment where you're left to do that which you do. Mm -hmm. Okay? There's no big brother looking over your shoulder. Everyone is responsible for their own practices, and it's an incredible working environment. In, in law, you find that, it, especially in litigation, you find that it's an incredibly aggressive environment yeah. where you are fighting people all the time. 
um, you're fighting colleagues, you're fighting clients, you're fighting their clients, and it's nice to know that at least at Fluxman's, that's we'll one place you're not going to fight. Uh, we'll, we'll get sued for that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I'd like to see them try. I, but uh, the, the environment is such that you have the backing of your partners. Um, it sounds to me almost when you talk about all the fighting like you should be doing the Krav Maga. I do do that as well. I do it with my daughter. <laughs> well, they better watch out because even if you, uh, you, you aren't on, on form in the court, which I don't doubt you never are, um, I, I'm sure that there are occasions where you've wanted to deploy a little bit of Krav Maga to make the case go your way. Uh, no comment on that one. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds to me like there's a lot going on here. You, do you work with a lot of the candidate attorneys? Yeah. Uh, each year I'm assigned a new candidate attorney. Mm-hmm. I take um, the assignment of the candidate attorney very, I take it very seriously. I make sure that I empower them to do what they need to do. In order to what's the uh, what's the first thing you tell them about the law? The first thing I tell them is not about the law. Is the first thing I tell them is they will never ever ever be late <laughs> for any meeting or any scheduled appointment. Good. And uh, once they understand that, then we get on fabulously. Okay, I like it. I'm proud to announce also that for the interview this this morning, Jerome was perfectly on time. So you're a man of your word. There's no hypocrisy here. No. I like it. Thank you very much, Jerome. It's a pleasure to meet you. You too. You've been listening to Fluxman's Attorneys for the Love of Law. For more information, go to fluxmans.com.